Welcome back to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiba, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of creativity with you. Each week, I'm hashtag gifting you two episodes with ways you can become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best-kept industry secrets to creating content worth remembering. Sound good? All right, let's dive into it. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ayo, it's time for the goods. Each week, we're going to highlight some of the haps, the 411, the hot topics in the creative industry, in advertising, marketing, and influencer world alike. The purpose of this is to bring you into the conversations that go on within the culture of the creative industry, an industry that you're a part of, by the way. So I hope to inspire you, empower you, and invite you to have a seat at the table. So everyone's been talking about Astroworld 2021 and the catastrophe that happened and Travis Scott's involvement. And I mean, to imagine, you know, your your brother, your sister, your daughter, your son, um, family member, friend going to a concert, expecting to have fun and then coming back in a body bag. Like I could just I, I just couldn't imagine. And you don't really think that it could get any worse than that. But it it does. Um, A BuzzFeed article titled A Sponsored Disaster is a Sponsored Disaster reveals that Travis Scott will be covering the funeral costs for the eight attendees that died during his performance. Um, However, he'll also be partnering up with online therapy mogul BetterHelp to give away one free month of therapy to those who were affected by the goings-on of Astroworld 2021. Uh, My jaw's on the floor because this is objectively one of the most blatantly obvious acts of self-promotion that I've seen recently from a celebrity or an influencer. And the worst part of it all is that it's with a mental health organization with whose motives I'm now beginning to question as well. Um, it also just shows other influencers and musicians and entertainers and celebrities or people of influence that, oh, if you have, you know, what the officers called in this particular case, a mass casualty incident at your party or event or concert, oh, just, you know, find a mental health partner to clear your name. And I don't think anything about this partnership is authentic or genuine or meant to actually serve the loyal fan base that he and his team harmed and took money from, by the way. (laughs) Like, those tickets probably weren't cheap. Um, Curious to hear what y'all think about this, though. So DM me at Kate Mob. I'm I'm love to discuss. Um, Yeah, it's just unfortunate on really so many levels. Women of color growing force as mom influencers reads an ABC News headline. The multi-billion dollar parenting industry has been primarily catering to white or white passing parents, particularly through their advertising efforts and marketing initiatives. Um, And this has left a hole for women of color, especially new moms who are struggling to find culturally relevant parenting advice and products that relate to them and speak to them and their needs. So 
After doing extensive research, momfluencers like Keisha Gully and Stacey Ferguson created their own communities to educate and learn from and grow with fellow mothers from their particular cultural background. I really love this article. Um, I'm not a woman of color, but I think that it's important to understand how these representation discrepancies happen. Um, and especially in, in advertising and marketing efforts um, and what we can do to raise awareness to that or amplify them. Um, or, you know, if you are part of this space and you don't feel seen, I think it, this article raises awareness about the fact that there are other people out there um, who are trying to create this community and fill the void. So all around great article. I highly recommend you read it. The final good for this episode is that there's a viral TikTok video going around that shows behind the scenes footage for an athleisure brand. And a lot of people were really, really shocked and outraged by it. Um, Anybody who's ever worked in the fashion industry uh, was not. (laughs) We were just sitting there like, yep, yep, yep. Um, Basically, it shows footage of a model dressed in, you know, an athleisure set or a workout set and the stylist or some sort of styling assistant is putting butt pads into the leggings that is worn by the model to create the illusion of a bigger butt which is setting completely unreal expectations from the very beginning like not only will you not have an ass like that after working out in these leggings you don't have an ass like that to begin with you know what I mean because the model doesn't even have a butt like that (laughs) and so Um, This is your reminder that some brands really will do anything to sell a product. Um, And this is especially common in the fashion industry where everything is marketed, you know, at this point it's like one size fits all. So uh, be really careful. Do your research. If something, you know, feels icky, it probably is. So trust your gut is what I'm going to tell you when it comes to looking at ads. That's it for this week's goods. As always, DM me at KateMob on Instagram or TikTok with any thoughts you have on the goods or submit noteworthy hot topics directly to this podcast by going to anchor.fm slash kindly gifted slash message. So a topic that stirs a lot of debate in the influencer community is how much sponsor content is too much. Like, is there a golden ratio of organic to sponsored content? And if so, what is that golden ratio, right? And it's a controversy because at the core of influencer marketing are trust and authenticity. It's something that as an influencer, as a human being, usually one human being, right, is easier for you to do than it would be for a brand that consists of a team of people. Maybe there's not one face to the brand, right? There's a logo that people are kind of behind, right? So I told my Instagram followers that I'll be sharing my perspective on this from both a brand's point of view, like a brand coming to your page wanting to work with you, and also from your followers' point of view. And the reason that I think both sides are important to consider here is that one, plainly put, the brand pays you for the ad, So it's kind of important what they think about that. (laughs) And two, your followers are the people that you're hoping to engage with this ad. You're not posting it and hoping for crickets and silence. You're hoping that your audience will find that product, brand, and service interesting enough to go check it out, right? You're hoping to stir up some brand awareness through this um, for the brand. So from a brand's perspective, 
they look at your previous brand work, whether it's for competitors or just for other brands in general, to assess um, any, if not all, of the following. How that ad performed um, analytically, why it may have performed that way, because your the, the analytics, and I think I said this on a previous episode, is like kind of the only quantifiable way to see if creativity resonates and creativity is successful. Um, it's very annoying. Don't even get me started on it. But it's kind of really the only way to quantify creativity since it's not particularly quantifiable. So you do have to look on at insights and, and analytics and take it with a grain of salt. But that's, you know, that's how you see how well your content performed already, right? So they look at how how that ad performed, why it may have performed that way, and what, based on previous ads that you've done, can you then bring to their table to make this partnership successful? So there are, of course, things, like I said, that you take with a grain of salt. Analytics don't always explain why something performed the way it does, which is why creativity is simply not actually fully quantifiable, um, especially on social media, because there can be a lot of different things affected, right? You have the algorithm that you can't necessarily control. Um, but there are also things that you can control, such as certain creative decisions, right? The idea itself and ensuring that there is idea an idea behind your um content but also you know details like lighting and in the clothing that you wore the styling the props things like that right those those are also things that you can control um so no two brands are alike i would like to stress that and there are brands that don't care how much sponsored versus organic content you have on your page um whether they're just indifferent or for ethical reasons they don't care it could be a good question to ask them, like, what is their take on, you know, or do they even have a take on how much sponsored content an influencer should have on their page? It could reveal certain things about kind of their ethical code um, and, you know, if they're just here to, to advertise wherever with whomever or if they actually want to, like, create some sort of credible partnership and, and lead with integrity. So it could reveal some of those things if you do ask that question. But... For the most part, I'd say that just like consumers and just like the way that you look at ads and and you make purchasing decisions, there is a point where brands are also turned off by how much sponsored content is on an influencer's page, right? And from my research, it seems to be that the average is if an influencer has an average of like 44% sponsored content, that's off-putting to brands. So that is ridiculously high at that point. It means your page is potentially oversaturated with sponsored or paid promotions. Um, Again, that's not necessarily the case for all brands. There may be brands that are not bothered by it, um, but there may be brands that are too bothered by it, right? So now there are two things to consider here. Although Instagram is considered to be the main platform for influencer marketing, ask anybody that works at a brand um, or at an, at an agency and you'll be like, oh, what do you think of when you think of influencer marketing? And they'll be like Instagram. Like that's literally the first place that you think of. But TikTok actually has the highest influencer engagement rates, both on organic and sponsored content. And there's a lot of reasons for that as well, right? Some of them you can't really control. Um, 
And one of that being the layout of the app itself, which is called user interface. You know, on Instagram, you go and you can kind of quickly assess if this is something you're not going to be interested in or if you are going to be interested in and then take action accordingly. On TikTok, you kind of have to watch like a little bit of the video, right? In order to assess, is this something I want to continue watching or do I just move on? Um, And the other thing is that there's also different cultures on Instagram versus TikTok, you know, like selling on Instagram is a lot easier than it is on TikTok because, you know, that's kind of what Instagram is associated with now. Um, And on TikTok, you kind of have to be a little bit more creative and push the envelope if you want to sell something, whether it's a product or influence people to buy something, right? So I think that if you have 44% of your feed um, dedicated to sponsored content, on Instagram, it would be more noticeable than if you had it on TikTok, for example. I really do think that. However, devil's advocate, right? Considering the algorithm, which is something we can't fully really control all the time. If the only TikToks I see from you or that are being served to me from you are ads that you did for brands, then I'm, you know, I'm very well going to assume that that may be the only content you create or a large portion of the content that you create at this point, right? And that's a perfect segue into looking at this from your followers' perspective. Firstly, I'd just like to say that if you consider yourself a smart consumer and you can see through the bullshit and some of the sleazy ads that you're being served on social media, right, then assume that your audience can see that too. Um, And this is what I always want you to remember that as an influencer, you, you work for your audience. Okay. Um, I was watching dirty money on Netflix and, um, there was an episode in there about Jared Kushner. Oh my God. First of all, fucked up the house down boots. But second of all, um, there was a a point in, in the episode where they said, you know, like the president of the United States serves the people that is, who you work for. That is your job. These are your quote unquote clients. Um, And I want you to see your job as an influencer the same way. Like you work for your audience. Okay. Because if not, then who, who the hell are you influencing? Not yourself, not brands. Right. So here's kind of my approach to this because I, I think that finding the right balance is actually a lot more doable than you might think. Um, and it's important for you to firstly decide, am I a quality influencer? And quality being that you're very selective about which brands you work with and ultimately end up partnering up with brands that kind of tie in with who you are to make this into a, oh yeah, that totally makes sense why, you know, she would partner up with this brand or why he would partner up with that brand or why they would partner up with an acne prone skincare line because, you know, they have acne prone skin. So like that partnership makes sense, right? I mean, that's a simple example, but you know, you catch my drift. Quality influencers are audience first and the brands they accept to work with, they know will align with their community's wants and needs. So it is a little bit more of a selective process, right? Or, which is the other side, do you decide that you are a quantity influencer? Meaning that you measure your success as an influencer and the amount of ads that you have or accept. Typically, 
This also means that a quantity influencer is willing to grab at any kind of opportunity that offers them compensation. I personally do not endorse or encourage this particular approach because the priorities of a quantity influencer don't align with my ethics or a moral compass. I don't think that I, I think that contributes to potentially a lot of the distrust that consumers have towards influencers is early, early on in the influencer industry, which this industry is still really young, but I would say maybe like mid 2010s and there was an influctuation of you know it's not just celebrities working with brands it was a lot of other influencers working with brands and micro influencers and um you know people with smaller followings than 500,000 or you know or a million and influencers got so overwhelmed and excited to be partnering up with brands that there was a lot of partnerships and a lot of partnerships that didn't make sense. And I think that that's when kind of this distrust was beginning to become generated is because, oh my gosh, brands want to pay me money and they want to partner up with me. Yes, 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 yes. But you're not taking into account that like to the person that you're advertising to, it's like, oh my God, I'm being bombarded by all these ads, some of which make no sense to me, right? So um, a quantity influencer, basically the reason why I don't endorse that is people like this tend to have ads and partnerships that, again, don't make sense for them. Like it's advertising a movie that your community is like, I know I know you would never watch that. Why are you advertising it? You know what I mean? Um, and will often resort to falsely advertising something, even if they don't realize it, which is exactly what happened when, you know, when brands were more open to work with smaller influencers. Um, There was this influx of kind of like willingness to work with influencers of smaller sizes. And uh, there was a lot of false advertising. I mean, it doesn't mean it's not happening now, but um, sometimes you might be falsely advertising something that you don't even realize you're doing. So, just to make money or be compensated, right? So otherwise, this is this is commonly known as being a sellout um, and exactly why I personally do not endorse quantity influencers. And if you're a quality influencer, which is if you're listening to this, I sure as hell hope so, <laughs> then the goal is to determine who you're creating for. What problems do they have? And problems, you know, they can be, they don't have to be negative. They can be a positive problem, right? They want to feel something, want to be inspired. They want to aspire to something. What void basically can you fill, right? Um, And how can you solve those problems? How can, what solution can you provide? and, And how do you fit into kind of like, you know, filling that void for your audience? And then taking a step further and thinking, okay, well, how can the brand that I'm partnering up with solve my audience's problems or bring value into their lives? This is really like a quality partnership because you're taking the time to think about more than just the money that's coming to you, right? You're thinking about, okay, how am I going to communicate this? How am I going to, um, you know, raise awareness about this? How am I going to integrate this brand or their product or their service into my audience's life, right? So if you're a loyal listener of Kindly Gifted, you already know my mutual friend concept, but I just want to reiterate that it is your, you are the professional mutual friend. If you are an influencer and working with brands, you, that is, that is your job. You befriend both the audience and gain trust with them, get to know them, right? Understand what it is they want and need. 
and you befriend the brand and understand what they offer. Do the, can they solve your audience's problems? Do they bring solutions to the table, right? So that then you can introduce the two of them together and spark a friendship. That is, that is basically the definition of, of a quality partnership or one that is more selective. And that will then ultimately force you to uh, say no more often than yes to the partnerships that come your way. I mean... I saw this recently, and if you made it all the way here, here's some tea, Um, just as a little thank you. I saw there's an influencer that I see all the time, and the only content that I really get served from them anymore is ads, and it's the same script, the same script pretty much um, for every ad, and some of the brands like don't make sense. Like this person is not planning or has to go back to school or has not been back to school in a very long time, don't have kids that are going back to school and they were partnering up with a brand to go back to school advertising products that are meant for a dorm, like a shower caddy and the person lives in an apartment. I'm confused, you know what I mean? I start to raise questions. In my opinion, whether or not that person knew what they were doing, um, it doesn't... It doesn't make sense in my mind as their follower, why the hell would they be advertising a shower caddy when they live in an apartment by themselves? You know what I mean? So it's about considering, you know, I think that the natural way to end up having a good ratio between sponsored and organic content is just being selective. Your organic content is the brands that you're already loving, that you're already obsessed with, that already are part of your life. And by sharing them organically with your audience, they're becoming part of their life too, right? So, you know, those are those are maybe the brands that you start working with um, on a sponsored level. And then brands that you maybe haven't heard of before or you haven't worked with before, whatever, taking a little bit of time to understand and get to know that brand before really, you know, parading them around on your Instagram or TikTok to your followers. It's just the same thing as like dating somebody, right? You wouldn't post a dude you went on a date with once. Blink, blink, what? (laughs) Right? It's the same thing. It's the same thing with advertising. So I hope this was helpful. And I think this can apply beyond holiday partnerships. But the reason I did it for a holiday mini series is because this is around the time that you're getting bombarded with the most amount of partnerships probably that you've had all year. So you have to be even more selective than you are maybe at other times of the year. So anyways, good luck. I hope you're having a great time creating. And then the next episode in this series is going to be all about creative burnout, which I'm sure will be helpful for you by the time you are wrapping up holiday partnerships or as you're recovering from them. So I'll see you there. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at KateMob for more creative secrets. And don't forget to say hey. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.